Well, we are in our Advent season as we count down to Christmas, and today we're looking towards hope. Uh, this is our second Christmas in our pandemic. We never thought that we would make it to a second Christmas, but here we are. In the beginning of another, I guess, in s another dire time as Omicron variant is, is threatening us, and there's still a lot of unknowns with it. But this pandemic season only seems to be getting worse. When we feel that there is breakthrough, another variant comes up. Not only have the pandemic caused us to live on the edge for the last two years, we've seen racial injustice, riots, hostilities, dividing our society and culture, but also dividing us, the church. Things seem dark. But today we're going to be looking at hope. Today we're going to be looking at two passages, first in Luke chapter 2, and then again also in Isaiah chapter 9, and the two passages of scripture I want to unpack hope, not only for the Advent season, but for us to see hope in a sovereign king in which we find in Jesus. So let's pray. Mm -hmm. Father God, we thank you, Lord, to know that you are a good God, to know that you are a good king. And that despite what we're going through right now, despite everything that is happening, we know that your sovereignty reigns. So, Father God, as we come before you and we look into your scripture, Lord, may you bring about a faith that gives hope. Lord, may we be able to see your face. May we be able to see King Jesus in his throne. So, Lord, we thank you for this time. We give all of our blessings unto you. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Christmas time. Christmas is a time of anticipation. As a kid, the anticipation was about the gifts. Well, for me it was. The hope of getting what you asked for. The hope of seeing the commercials on Saturday morning cartoons and saying, that's what I want for Christmas. I remember there was one year where, more than anything else, there was a game that came out. It was called Talking Battleship. That probably dates me a little bit. <laughs> but this wasn't just Battleship. This was an electronic version of a board game that you had buttons to press. And there were sound effects that came along. So when you actually hit somebody, it actually made an explosion. So you can't cheat. You know the old school battleship? You could actually kind of like cheat and shift it over a little bit. And it's like, no, you missed. But this one, you had to program everything in. So even if you moved it, the computer knew that you were cheating. Talking battleship. I wanted it so bad. It was on every commercial. I went to Toys R Us, and I remember scouting it out and measuring the box to make sure that that was the size of box that I needed to see under the Christmas tree. I remember circling it in the, you guys remember the wish book, the Sears Christmas catalog? I remember taking the catalog and looking for talking about it and circling it and making a little dog ear on the page, making sure that my parents kind of see it. And always talking about it, I'm like, oh, that would be such a cool game. And my mom would be like, you already have Battleship. I'm like, but that's just, this is so different. Now that I look back, it's exactly the same thing, and it really, it's, it was clunkier, I couldn't put it away because it was this big, big giant box. But I remember that Christmas, because as the presents started piling up under the tree, 
And I would always look at the boxes. Is it big enough? Is it big enough to fit that game underneath the tree? The closer to Christmas it became, I just, box after box, I started filling the tree. I was just like, it's not there. Disappointment started to set in. I remember on Christmas Day, going to the Christmas tree, and we're all there after breakfast. We're opening our presents, and I'm just like, present after present. I'm like, where's that big box? And all the presents were open. I'm just like, oh, there's some great gifts here, but talking battleships not here. I was disappointed. And my mom's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. There's actually a couple more presents that I put into the front closet because they were too big for the tree, so we, like, we just put it away in the closet instead. And out came this box that was similar size to Talking Battleship, and I was like, oh, maybe this is it. And I read on the tag, it was like, to John from Uncle Brian. And I'm like, oh, this is it. It has to be it. Uncle Brian is the cool uncle. He's the uncle that grew up with us. He's the one that knows everything that I wanted. He's the one that will get me what I asked for. So as I, with great hope and anticipation, ripped open that box and saw that little bit of that piece, I knew exactly what it was, and it was talking about it. And I screamed like a little girl, tore open the present, and the rest of the day was done. I was learning how to code all of the little ships into that program to play Talking Battleship for the rest of the day. I played by myself. I just <laughs> turned it around and turned it around. Rest of the day, that was it. It was the best Christmas ever. All my hopes and wishes came true. You see, hope is something that we wait for. It's something that we watch for. It gives us a reason to long for something. We hope for a present, we hope to get married, we hope to have children, we hope to have grandchildren, we hope to land our, green, our dream jobs. Hope is looking forward towards something. In Luke chapter 2, there is a story, and we have a, a man by the name of Simeon. Simeon was a righteous man. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're gonna, it's, it's found in verses 22 to 33, but we have this man named Simeon. He was described as righteous and devout. And he was waiting for consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. Simeon was a righteous man. He was someone that knew who God was. He was someone that knew his word. He knew the promises of God, and he knew the character of God to a point where he knew that God spoke to him, that the Spirit spoke to him and said, before you die, you will see Christ. And so Simeon knew of God's character. He's like, God promised me that before I die, and Simeon's an old man at this point. And he goes to the temple, and, and what's, what's happening is Jesus was born, and he's taken to the temple to be offered to God. And so this is... This is a ritual that the Jewish people done by the Mosaic law, saying the firstborn son of every family needs to be presented before the Lord. And you have to, if you read the passages, you have to bring a sacrifice. Mary and Joseph brought two turtle doves or two doves because they were a poor family. You're supposed to bring a lamb, but one of the things that the Bible lets us know is that Jesus comes from a poor family because they can't afford the lamb. They, 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 they offer two turtle doves. 
That gives us a sense of who Jesus was and what family he was born into as a king. But as Simeon is waiting, he's like, I know that I one day that Christ will come before me. That I will see Christ before I die. And he's at the temple and day after day, boys are being brought to the temple to be dedicated to the Lord, to be offered to the Lord. And there's one day the Spirit spoke to Simeon and said, this, today you will see Christ. Today, you will get to see salvation. Simeon hoped for this day to come. Simeon longed for this day to come. Simeon says, if you read with me, he says, as, as Mary and Joseph come to the temple, he presents Jesus to, to, to the temple, and Simeon takes the baby and he says this, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people in Israel. And then what happened was Jesus' father and mother marveled at what was said about him. They marveled at what was said about him. One of the things that Simeon understood was that he, was, he knew that this was going to come. Because when he had hope, he knew that he was placing his hope in who? He was placing his hope in what the Spirit was telling him. He was placing his hope in what God promised him. What Simeon knew is that he, he knew the past of Israel. He knew that God was always going to be faithful. He knew that from the stories that he read in the Bible. He knew, well, it wasn't the Bible back then, but it was the Torah. It was the, the Tanakh, as we, we've talked about in the Foundation Series. He knew that God was always going to fulfill his promises. He knew that God was never going to forsake him, never going to leave him, that whatever God promised him, that will be fulfilled. And so Simeon knew that this day was going to come. He knew that before he died, that he will see Christ. And he says, today my salvation has come upon me. He knew that Christ was here to bring salvation. But what did he say? He says, light for the Gentile and glory for Israel. This is the Savior coming. And Simeon knew that. Simeon had hoped in this for many years and finally got to see that day. And Simeon said, finally, I am ready to go in peace. For hope has already come. One of the things that Simeon was able to do was he was able to count on the word of God, the promises of God, the character of God. Simeon had hope because God was always faithful to him. Let this be an encouragement for you, church. Simeon knew the word of God, which revealed his promises and his character. And so that when he knew that he could trust that God has done in the past, so that he can be in the moment to trust God for his future. And so was Simeon. He, the spirit of God, spoke to him. He placed his hope in the salvation of Jesus coming. As I started off the sermon, I talked about how we're in a place of kind of darkness. In a place of unknown, in a place where there, it's, it's hard to see light these days. It's hard to see the good amongst the bad. In the Advent reading this morning, we read from Isaiah 9, and I'm going to go to that same place. But Desmond Tutu, Archbishop Desmond Tutu said this. He said that hope is being able to see that there is light despite darkness. 
In Isaiah 9, in which we read today, Isaiah is prophesying in a particularly dark time in the southern kingdom of Judah, where King Ahab is a king. If we want to know how dark it was in chapter 8, before chapter 9, it says this in verses 21 and 22. It says that they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry, and when they were hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upwards. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. As I read that, I was like, that is, feels so familiar right now. That feels so familiar for us right now, not only, not only in the place of COVID, but in the place of just how our culture and society actually is. That we're divided, that everything in this world, everything in our culture, everything that we talk, talk about constantly is there dividing us. And as we look at the divisions, instead of looking up, we look down. That we forgot, forget to look at Jesus Christ as king. We forget to look at God as our savior. We forget to look as, as God is sovereign over everything that we are. We look down and we, 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 we look down and say, everything divides us. We don't know what to do. And I'm just going to leave this place, go to the mountain, find a dog, live in a cabin, and just forget about all of this. That's a big temptation of mine. Just be done. I've talked about this. I love that solitary lifestyle. I don't know why I'm a pastor. <laughs> I love a solitary lifestyle where I don't have to deal with people because people are difficult. I'm difficult. I have to wrestle with myself already. Now I have to wrestle with everybody else. Come on. But Israel's in a dark place. What we have today, this new mandate in church which continues to divide us, is not an ideal place in which, one we, which, in which we want to be in. We are constantly needing to make choices for the greater good of our community and working alongside our public health in, in moving towards the ending of this pandemic. All of this seems really dark. In chapter 9, it says this, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish in the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the, in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Isaiah prophesies there will be no gloom. There will be no gloom and he's prophesying that, that Jesus, he's going to come out of where? Galilee. Of Nazareth. Remember, Nazareth is this. Nazareth is not a great place, okay? I mean, when he was calling his disciples, they were saying, What good comes out of Nazareth? Nothing comes out, good comes out of Nazareth. Where Jesus was, was born into the city that he was raised in, where Mary comes from, it's a pretty ghetto city. Only about 50 to 100 people live in that city. This is a pass-through town. Nobody stops. It's not a destination place. Nazareth is like the red deer between Edmonton and Calgary. <laughs> Do we have someone from red deer here? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I forgot Jordy's from red deer. Jordy, I'm a fellow Burton. I feel your pain. It's a gas stop. That's what Nazareth is. 
Nazareth is nothing. But Jesus came out of Nazareth as it was prophesied by Isaiah that he's going to come out of Galilee. We continue, he said, the people who walk in darkness have seen great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have been multiplied in the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoils. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling, warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be buried as fuel for the fire. Dark times. All of that talks about how dark Israel is going to be in. And out of that place, light comes. Where does that light come from? That light comes, he says, he continues, he writes, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's what comes. Yeah. That's what comes out of darkness. Some of us have lost hope. Longings weren't met. Feelings got broken. In this last season, hope is the last thing that we look at. You don't want to hope because in the past, if you hoped, you hurt. Even though right now, we're in the darkness of a pandemic, we still have hope. Hope is a gift that gives us a reason to long for something. Hope starts with the feelings of darkness. Hope begins with pain. Hope begins in suffering. As we said, you can't see the stars of hope without looking at the past and the present of darkness. Darkness is necessary because it's the only way that leads us to hope for something better. The problem, like Israel, is that we place our hope in something that is not going to satisfy us. Even when we look at Christmas, sometimes Christmas, like when I was a kid, we opened that present. It's a high. It's a high for a season, but that, that eventually starts leaving us, and we're looking for the next high. When we get married, that's another high. We think that, oh, we have our hope in our spouse. But when we put our hope in our spouse, we will get let down because we are two broken people that come together. We hope for children. And, and when we hope for children, we begin to put that hope into our children. And that is the most destructive weight that we can put on our children to satisfy our hope. Even in the church, if we put our hope into the church, people will fail each other. We cannot look at each other, towards each other, to put our hope into each other. We will let each other down eventually, and your hope will not be fulfilled. Where have you been placing your hope? Because the only person that you can put your hope is, is in Jesus. We put our hope in what is temporary and circumstantial. And Jesus is the only thing that can sustain because Jesus is the only king that has sovereignty over this world. Recently, I was talking to a, a young man who is new to the faith. 
and he he's reading through the Bible, and I'm I'm so glad that he's reading this Bible. He's he's reading the Bible from from cover to cover, and to read the Bible that way is very very difficult because things are jumping all over the place. There's a lot of stories, and he's uh, and we're talking, and he's saying, John, there's a lot of people that aren't very good in the Bible. Um, how are we supposed to live? Like, are we supposed to live like them? He's like, I look at David, I look at Abraham, I look at all these people, and it's just like, there's a lot of killing, there's a lot of murder, there's a lot of just sin. I'm like, yeah, there is. Our goal is not to live like them. But what the Bible presents is that there is one person, one hero in the entire Bible that has lived a perfect life. And that person is Jesus. That every single person in the Old Testament and every single person in the New Testament points to that one person, that person is Jesus. Because Jesus is the only hero in the Bible that is able to actually bring salvation to everything else that's, that's in the Bible. Everything points towards Jesus and it climaxes at Jesus. That is the epitome of what the Bible is about. We cannot look at all these other characters. Yes, they have good characteristics that we could be like, oh yeah, they have good characteristics that we could follow, but they are not people that we are supposed to put our hope in. They will let you down. King David was an adulterer. King Abraham was also an adulterer. I mean, we have a lot of adultery that's happening in the Bible here. Not good. We have murderers and, and, and people that just turn away from God. But all of these people are not to, for you to look up to. They're not for you to live up to. You're supposed to live up to the one person that is in Jesus Christ and only found in Jesus Christ. That's where we put our hope for. When we look at the Advent season, Advent is the coming of someone that is important. That's what Advent means. It's the arrival of an important person. It's the coming of Christ. That's what Advent means. So when we look at Christmas season, when we look at what Christmas is about, when we look at what we're studying right now, it is to look forward to who Jesus is. And Jesus is the only one that is able to fulfill our hope. Hope is forward faith. Hebrews 11 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The convictions of things and unseen. Hope is our faith forward. A lot of things build our faith for our present, but hope is forward faith. Today, as we look at where we're at today, where do you put your hope? Where do you direct your soul? Biblical hope is a confident expectation in God to bring about good and satisfy our deepest desire for now and in the future. This is certain hope because God promised to give us his Messiah. He lived sinless, overcame temptation. Jesus gave his life for us, becoming sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. He overcame and given us all authority to be light in this world. This is what the world needs. The world needs a sovereign king to bring light into the places of darkness. And the only king that could fulfill this is King Jesus. I'm going to finish off today from a passage in Romans 5, 
It says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's what this season is about. That is what hope is. Hope is not... Hope is something that we put forward, something that we look forward to. So if you're in a dark place today, if you're in a place where you're, you're feeling hopeless, I want you to start looking towards the light because it's only in the darkness that we will find light. And that light will only be fulfilled through one man, and that man is Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for being our hope. We thank you for giving us hope through your son, Jesus. That we're able to be where we are today because of your sovereignty over our lives. Lord, may we look at you. May we look towards you. May we turn our face towards you. And may you shine your light in the darkness, in the darkness of our heart. Father God, may we come before you. May we come to you. May we run towards you and may you remind us in this Christmas season of who you are and the great gift that you are about to give to us so Lord we thank you and pray all this in Jesus name Amen I'm so thankful for good preaching for sound biblical preaching that's what we need in this day that's what we need in this hour the truth of God's word going out like a light Amen you know, there's nothing that can rob you of faith. Nothing. And there's nothing that can rob you of hope. The only way that you can be robbed of your hope and your faith is if you lose your focus. If you lose your focus of the Word of God, if you lose your focus of who Jesus is and what His character is. But literally, you can get back your hope in one second. You start meditating on Jesus. What the devil tries to do is to get our focus off of who God is, and to focus on the circumstance, like we shared last week about Habakkuk, if you just focus on the Babylonian invasion, oh my goodness, the end is near. If we just focus on pandemic, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? But when you focus back on Jesus, you get your hope back, you get your faith back. That's why Paul said that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. Our mind is a gift from God so that we can focus properly on Him, get our thoughts properly aligned to dispel the wrong thoughts, and then hope is our strong tower. Nothing can rob any of you of that hope in Jesus. God, we bless you today. We thank you that you are from everlasting to everlasting. We thank you, God, that you're a beacon to our soul and that your light never dims. You're not a light bulb that needs to be changed. You shine forever and ever and God we thank you for just the wattage that you give to us that when we look upon you you shine upon us thank you God for the hope that is everlasting and eternal strengthen each one of us bless each one of us I break any heaviness over us and I release your freedom I release your joy we thank you 
In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Have a great week.